Alrighty, Creecast, thank you for listening as always and checking in here. I uh, apologize. As I mean, really the last month or two I've been like really late on these. Um, it's more just become a weekly podcast for the middle part of the season here with everything going on. But um, yeah, thank you for listening as always. I do appreciate the support for a little little amateur fan podcast here and um, as always, like, subscribe, whatever, all those fucking things they ask you to do. Um, I'm really bad at like self-promoting myself as I've mentioned at times over the journey here but um, you know, if you want to pop a five-star review on there on iTunes or wherever else you can put five-star reviews, I think Spotify has the ability to do that. Um, but anyway, that does. Um, but anything less than a five-star review, don't do it because that's just being a dick. Um, so that would be appreciated. Um, but you know, it's 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 your life. Uh, do whatever you want. Um, apart from less than anything than five stars. Uh, just going to talk about a few things today. Um, I haven't even had a chance to watch the full replay of um, last week's game yet. Uh, I was it was Fourth of July weekend ish here. I mean, the Fourth of July fell on a Tuesday, obviously, as it did everywhere around the world. It's not like that changes. We're just like uh, almost a day behind over here, but. Um, and Friday night, went out to some local minor league baseball, um, Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, minor league affiliate of the LA Dodgers. That's going to mean nothing to anyone unless you're a, um, a real, like a baseball fan that gets into the minor league stuff as well. But um, they're local, like just east of, east of LA out in Rancho Cucamonga. I've got a former college roommate that lives out there. So went out and um, did some drinking and some baseball with him, which turned into some very late night drinking. And I got back here during the port game and i was three sheets to the wind um very deeply within my cups and uh so i watched the end of the game um the last quarter and a half maybe um but you know it's all vibes because my head was not with it um certainly the end of the game remember very well and i remember kind of like i remember the i you know i was drinking some water and trying to um ease the hangover i knew it was coming the next day um, so I drank some water and watched it and so I remember seeing us get ahead um, actually I wasn't even watching that part I was just watching the scores because I was in bed and I was like drinking some water I was like not trying to wake the wife and um, so I was watching the score like just watching the app just to keep it quiet and um, and kind of like, I was like I haven't watched all game and we're just starting to get ahead so I'm like the superstitious thing in my head um, and I was like no I need to I need to watch this so I went out and sat on the couch for a second um, watching the rest of it, and then that's when Essendon started coming back, and I was like, "This is my fault. This is my fault." And then they get ahead, um, and uh, and you know, I'm like, "I'm just. This is my fault. This is my fault." Which I, I've said before on this podcast. I don't believe in all that, you know, the superstitious stuff. At this point, as, as a 35 year old man, has followed multiple sports, every fo- type of superstition that I've tried over the years has eventually failed. Like they always do. Um, I think I've mentioned before that I used to have to religiously drink Guinness during every Liverpool game. Um, it's not everyone because sometimes there'd be one on before work like I'm not just not just that but I used to any game that I could um, which usually on the weekends um, unless it's Champions League or whatever I'd make sure I had some Guinness with me and um, and then that slowly devolved into one of the worst periods of Liverpool history like my modern Liverpool history and you know ownership struggles and, and all that stuff and at some point I went why am I still doing this like I mean I like Guinness so it kind of helped but you know I couldn't keep doing it as I was growing up because that just starts becoming irresponsible at some point as much as I do love having a frothy any chance I can get um you've got to you know you can't just do it all the time um so you know there's different things like that and you know I still would pretty 
often make sure I was wearing the same Guernsey at games, at port games. Like I, I've mo mostly gone with the prison bars over the last few years, obviously until this year when I haven't been physically able to go. But um, there's certain things I do just out of like I just you know comfortable habit, and you and I do have those things there. If I've done something right, then just keep trying to do it. And even though it doesn't make, I know it doesn't make any tangible difference, it makes me feel better. Um, I, which I think is the main thing. We all do this stuff, and very few people actually believe in it, but it makes you feel better because for some you know it's it's what goes on there i mean the chemistry of our brains i'm sure makes sense to some very smart people out there um but oh, well certainly the idea of superstitions and all those things really just comes down to just safety i think um i guess kind of like religion you know it's just a safety net you know um uh that whether or not you believe in it it's just um it just makes you feel safe and and like you're getting a little cuddle uh mentally which um is where i was at um when i went out and sat on the couch and i felt like i'd fucked up everything for us um but then though i haven't watched uh the full replay of the game um by any means yet i haven't had the time to um, i'll get into the reasons why for that after but i have watched that dan houston goal Oh god, how many times did I watch it on the night? Like I, I probably watched it fifteen times on the night, and then I've, you know, as the week's gone on, it's been reposted and reposted. Jeez, um, there'd be at least fifty views of that goal at this point. <laughs> um, you know, that's realistic. Like I'm not saying you know some people you know you go get online and say I've watched this a thousand times so far at least. Yeah, you know, I haven't I haven't had the time to do that. But you know, there's been at least fifty views across the week, and I, I just keep going back to it and just thinking, what a fucking goal. And um. You know, it's funny watching that last quarter because I can only I can't really review on a lot of things. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I watched the game if I didn't uh, and try to be all you know. So the, the the stats and stuff that I usually do, I won't get into too much here. I'm just trying to get a podcast out for the week. Um, but what's great about I mean, you know, there's been some leading up to that moment. Sorry, I'll go back a second for the quarter. Um, you know, there's been a lot of stuff that's been getting better um, with Port Footy over the over the um, last month or two with the winning streak continuing you know we've had some close games we've had all that stuff but the last quarters have been actually really good like we've been kicking ahead and I've mentioned a lot of times about how I have a belief that there's a certain sting that came from that Crows defeat um, all the way which feels like years ago now at this point um, and you know but the true test of that's going to be when we play them again because they're a pretty good footy side um, so how much we've learned from that will really come down to when we play them again. But, you know, just as far as our the way our execution and our um, commitment and endeavour um, in the final quarters of games has been really good. Um, and often we just put, we do find a way to put the game away, not like, you know, to the tune of 30 or 40 points, although we did um, do a really good job of that against Geelong um, uh, just before the buy. But we... Um, just our endeavour to find a way to get just a couple of goals ahead with you know five minutes to go and and make sure that we we lock ourselves in and and make sure that the, the other team doesn't really have a chance of coming back. That's gotten better um, over the run. We've had some close calls, you know, the Sydney game, Essendon, back at home, um, which should have been a lot better though. We we just kicked like shit and we had a we kicked like shit at the start of this one as well and kind of gave Essendon the way back into the game. But we'd gotten ahead again with about nine minutes, ten nine ten minutes ago. We were three uh, seventeen points up. Um, and uh, it just felt like um, we were in that mode, that mode again of we got those few goals midway through the last quarter, got ourselves two to three goals up, and we'd just be able to find our way out of the game. And then Essendon start coming back, and that's um, for the first time in a while that I've really seen Port fuck the last five minutes of a game, 
um, five to seven minutes. I think there was a period in there, but whatever it was, and I think they score. They're the one that puts in with Jai Caldwell scores the goal that puts them ahead. He scored a couple of those goals in that run to get them ahead. They're late in the game with about a couple of minutes to go, and um, it felt to me just watching it. I was like, this is the first time I've seen Port really struggle to run a game out in this sense, and and sometimes it's just the other team is just goes up that level and you've got to kind of naturally find a way to go with them and sometimes and we've been pretty good at doing that uh, and locking the game up but we just uh, there was a and so, that's footy sometimes there's a five minute chaos period that no matter how good of a side you are another decent side can sometimes just have that moment um luckily over this winning streak that is now 12 games obviously which is wonderful um we've been able to manage that but you know in this in this moment it just didn't happen but as good teams do, they find a way, and um, and luckily, you know, just and you know, in the past, I think we've been really bad at like if we get, you know, we luckily um, was it Darcy Parish um, snaps one at goal, they could have put themselves beyond doubt um, in that in that last couple of minutes as well, um, and thankfully, um, you know, uh, I, th- I think it was Darcy Parish again. I haven't gone back and watched it. I'm not going to pretend I know everything on every podcast. Um, just just every second one. Um, and you know he snaps snaps a goal and um, geez, that was a little whistle. Um, he snaps a goal and, and luckily misses and gives us a chance out of the kick in. And you know again at times over the years we've really struggled to find our way down the field sometimes with with some precision. But um, you know Cannon um, Trent McKenzie, uh, you know and a good reward fight by the way. Good reward for him getting a one year extension. He's been um, just to speak on Trent McKenzie for the for a moment here. He's been. Um, really, when you look at over the history of the last few years and when Port have played our best footy over the last few years, Trent McKenzie's more more often than not been in the team. Um, twenty twenty, that run was really when he really cemented his spot for the first time um, after being on the list for a couple of years and only getting a couple of games. Um, he cemented his spot there, and he's just he's just a true, um, consistent, committed veteran type player you know he's got you know he's under he's an undersized key defender and there's no doubt about that and sometimes he gets found out in those situations but that's no fault of his effort and his efforts what's made him stand above um you know kind of continue his career i think this is going to be his 14th year next year if, with this contract extension i think i read when they released the press release on it and um you know he's been you know, we'd, we'd be fucked without him this year, certainly, with, you know, Jonas struggling to find form and Cleary struggling for form early and then just as he's finding form and the Sandful getting injured. Yeah, Trent McKenzie's been um, indispensable to the side this year and um, he's, uh, you know, really, really um, earned that contract extension and indeed earned every contract extension he's had um, at the club as he's been here over the last um, five, six years. So... I'm really happy with him, and, and again, just segueing back to the game, um, you know, that cannon out of the back lines, getting it beyond the 50 and into a situation where it could get tapped on quickly and moved on quickly, you know, it's it's not clean play, but it's, it's just, that's what you've got to do when you've got a minute to go and you need to go, you've got to just get it forward somehow, um, and that's what they do in this situation, and that's what I like about this Port team as opposed to, you know, some of the issues we've had in the past is um, there is kind of that understanding that of when to there's more we're still not perfect but there's more understanding of when the moments are that just you know sometimes you know when you've got to you know really work on your handle chains or just move through the middle or when you you do have to go outside or when sometimes just route one punch kick find a way to roll the ball forward um and i was certainly in the last minute 
that's what you've got to do and, and have the players in position to be able to, you know, athletically execute it as well. And, you know, we get it forward to the forward line. I think there was there was one moment there. Was it Darcy Boone Jones? There was someone that I reckon almost got held or tackled high in there and we could have had a free kick in there, but you know, it was missed and it wasn't the most obvious one either. It's just what I remember seeing at the time. Um, again, I am a um, uh, probably an unreliable, you know, as they talk about in the story, writing realm, unreliable narrator with my <laughs> my drunken, um, you know, memories of the game. But I, it's pretty clear in my head at the same time as when he's uh, from the replays at the highlight reel as well. Um, but um, he, you know, it gets. And this is what's, um, you know, it's a modern AFL thing. The defenders often just snapping onto the boot and often, and the way you... Most teams set up, but the good teams set up really well on the on the 50 um, with someone being able to mark it and take the mark. And uh, and for us, that was luckily enough. Dan Houston, one of the few guys you can kind of trust that, you know, even with the conditions, all those things, um, he's one of the few guys in the team that genuinely um, can kick at 50. Now, often he's on the run whatever else, but um, he does have the legs in him, and what I respect about Dan Houston in this instance is he never, you know, there wasn't, you know, there is those guys that struggle to make the distance that take a mark in that spot, or just don't don't have faith in their kick sometimes, like that do often immediately start looking for the handball, he didn't, he just took the mark and just went back and went, nah, I'm taking this kick, he would have had an idea of that, that there was very little time on the clock, and maybe he just thought, you know, if I take the kick and it misses, it comes into a situation with, um, you know, a goal, goal line scramble or something and someone can get a snap on the boot or whatever. He knew probably with before the siren went, obviously, um, that there was a chance that even if it doesn't quite make distance, someone getting on it. But then, obviously, the siren goes. And he realizes he has to back himself in and take the kick and it's just a beautiful, beautiful kick. Um, he's got a beautiful kicking action and he trusted and backed in his own action and his own skills and he he knows he can get the distance and he knows if he gets a good connection on the bowl and the fact he went um, drop punt as well obviously very fine margins as far as it going over the line but it went over the line you know <laughs> it's a very it's a very black and white thing as far as it going over the line although depending on um, the goal umpire and the and the review uh, I guess clarity sometimes it can be hard but this one was yeah there was no doubt there was a, a couple of inches there um, or more uh, obviously, and it only took one look at the replay there, and and the players knew instinctively too. Just like back in Sydney with Aaliyah actually getting the connection on the ball before it went over, um, the players you know you saw the reaction of the Essendon defenders that there was about 50 of them on the line there. Um, uh, you know, 50 is not even possible. Some fans had gotten over at some point. No, I'm kidding. But it did just look like there was just people over the line, all over the place there. And um, but the port, port players kind of lined up there too and put the defensive stops on there as well. And and um, as you see as well, they didn't start celebrating until it was over the line either. So, um, you know, it, it, it's funny. I thought when I immediately watching when I saw the Essendon players going up for it, um, I thought, oh shit, they've just done the leer on us. But then immediately see the Port players start charging out of the goal, goal square. Um, the Essendon players kind of dropped. You just knew that instinctively all of them kind of knew. Obviously, they go to replay just to, just to double check on it, but there wasn't any real protest protestations like... Um, giveaways either way. Unlike the Sydney game where players started celebrating beforehand and you kind of had this idea that it had gone through and um, they had to have a quick couple of looks at it, this one just the players' kind of reactions um, betrayed exactly what had happened. And and as we have it, we have uh, the fourth <laughs> goal after the siren 
uh, winner in in a in a you know short-ish history in the AFL competition. Still, it's interesting. I saw uh, someone put a list up of all the teams their last time they'd won from behind the siren um, after the siren, and um, obviously a lot of teams have got have had one in the last twenty years. But I think Essendon, who we played, hadn't, haven't had one since nineteen thirteen against University Football Club. Um, so it's, it's funny how you know we can have four uh, since nineteen ninety-seven. Um, you know, obviously uh, Peter Berger and Jared Poulton, uh, Robbie Gray, and that that classic um, kick after the siren against Carlton in the COVID year, which has basically helped me survive COVID, I think. Um, and then obviously this one this year as well uh, was just you know just a fantastic. Just, you know, we don't want to have to win after the siren, but the fact that you we've had a couple of those, um, well, the last couple of opportunities we've had to, I guess we have. Um, uh, is just a wonderful thing as a fan and it's kind of one of those things I've spoken about at times over the journey of this podcast is you know grand finals are what we're all here for and what we all will remember um, the most but I think as fans that um, have the understanding that you've got to enjoy the journey as well as a lot of people I know that still you know talk about that Robbie Gray goal I know um, Ryan Chicago friend of the podcast if he's listening I think he, he talks about you know obviously discovering Port and footy during that COVID year and and that Robbie Gray moment kind of defining um, just just the love of the game like it really made him realise I think I'm, I'm speaking for him and he can correct me and I'm sure he will if um, I'm not quite but you know just just these kind of moments my point being is what we just we remember so much um, beyond grand finals and, and, and you know championships and all those kind of things whatever your sport may be um, you've got to enjoy the moments as well and uh, this one's one that's going to live on for a long time, and and just and in the most spectacular. That's the thing is that a lot of goal after siren kicks are you know the distance is good or you know is fi- like you know is manageable and all those kind of things. This one was a genuine. I think even Carlton tweeted the next day like something from their account as they were warming up for their game. You know, can confirm it's a it's a pretty difficult kick. <laughs> like you know, it's a it's a goal that was um that people were genuinely. I think shocked by like I think most looked at that kind of went that distance you know it's a bit of a bit of a wet ball it's been shit conditions like um that's gonna be you know and it was right on the limit as you could see from where it landed over the line but you know it still got there and that's um just one that um one of those many many memories that you know luckily you know Port fans have got some pretty tough memories over the journey as well but you know I've got a pretty a bag full of some pretty cool memories as well um beyond 2004 obviously so um, when you put those four after the siren goals um, together among many others and I, you know, it's funny the only one I don't recall watching the Peter Burgoyne one um, I genuinely don't know if I watched that one as a youngster but I remember watching the Jared Poulton one I remember the living exact living room I was in my parents on the parents farm in the mid north there um, near the township of Riverton if anyone knows uh the south australian landscape um and uh i remember watching that one i I remember watching the robbie gray one literally i was at work um in my former uh job uh, cooking pizzas (laughs) Um, and i had my phone out with ko going i was watching and and um, and a few few customers saw me uh jumping around uh for that one um and then obviously this one i was um trying to and i was um had a stomach full of whiskey and was sitting on the couch watching it so uh you know just Memories is what what being a sports fan is all about, really, and and it's one that goes into the um, very top tier of of memories of being a Port Adelaide fan.
Alrighty, so we have the Gold Coast Suns coming up this weekend. Um, well, it's this weekend, it's tonight. Um, it's still Friday here for me. And as I was, I was saying before, um, so I was trying to think, my sound is coming through really weird in my headphones, but it seems like it's recording fine. So um, I think I've just got the, uh, the uh, my my headphones are being fucked. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got the Gold Coast Suns uh, tonight. Uh, and uh oh yeah as i was saying like yeah the weekend the week just uh was fucked because july 4th was on tuesday and then so a lot of people took monday off um wife had monday off uh so i mean saturday i was recovering um but we went out um obviously from the port game and just previous nights drinking at the baseball um saturday pretty quiet day but we went out in the afternoon to a little uh, gallery in pasadena um for the horror fans out there, it was like um, a little it's called Sugar Mint Gallery. Shout out to them. Um, if you're around the LA area, it's dope as hell. Um, they uh, it's um, a horror themed gallery, so they're having like an open house, a few vendors there, all horror themed stuff, and it's located right behind the um, the Michael Myers house in Pasadena, so the original one from the movie. So that was really cool. Um, enjoyed that. Uh, I was dealing with the hangover at the time, but had some wiener schnitzel and uh recovered from that but then yeah sunday went out drinking um with some family and had a good good day out at some breweries locally and um then monday um a little bit of recovery in the morning again then went out to um, dodge again on monday night they had a bobblehead out um so and a decent little game of baseball too dodgers ended up winning 5-2 bit a bit of fair bit of action in the first, earlier innings and then kind of they just closed it out nicely um and again a few beers at the game and then tuesday um, it was obviously July 4th, so hanging out and um, looking after the animals when the fireworks started going off and not getting much sleep until fucking midnight because it just, it just literally sounds like a war zone when you're in a city as big as Los Angeles on July 4th. So, um, so yeah, Wednesday comes around. It's already halfway through the week. And uh, and I haven't even had a chance to watch a replay and then over the last couple of days. Um, been getting up and watching a fair bit of the Ashes cricket and um, getting into that. Obviously, I love my cricket as well. So, and it's been an incredible series, um, fucking ridiculous carry on from the Poms after that last test. But um, you know, not going to get into that too much on this podcast. But yeah, so uh, yeah, haven't had too much time to dive into the stuff this week. But obviously, um, Gold Coast tonight, uh, and. Oh, if anyone listens to this and they know of anyone looking for some last-minute tickets, I've got them still available at the moment um, just for that donation to the Finlayson family, of course, which, um, obviously, aside, you know, we'll get into Dixon in a moment. Finlayson also playing his 100th game, so a couple of guys that are real key to our year so far, or the last few years, um, but Finlayson haven't come in to start at the start of last year. Um, everything, I mean, you know, I think a lot of the Finlayson, Jeremy Finlayson story um, is obviously told media and stuff. I mean, we all appreciate him as a player, but obviously the wider media stuff is often told through the prism of, and very understandably so, uh, of what he's been going through with um, Kelly and, and Sophia and the battle with Kelly with cancer and all that stuff. And uh, obviously I've been making making sure it's known because of, you know, we're donating our ticket money to that. And, uh, and I think it needs to be the, the awareness of of her journey and what's going on there is very important um as just a just health advocacy as well and just um and just understanding and some as i mentioned when this stuff first came out it's understanding what's going on behind the scenes for players at times too but um just purely just for a moment jeremy finlayson the player has been an incredible pickup for our club you know there was came came in the period where we lost peter laddams to sydney and kind of in the deals around that i can't remember exactly the structure but you know 
DriveFix came in, we used a little bit, you know, to get Jeremy Finlayson in very cheaply, um, I, I would say, in hindsight, because he's been an incredible addition to our side, uh, both in skill, you know, he's kicking some, he's kicking goals uh, on the regularly and important goals as well. Um, his marking and his athleticism um, down forward has been, you know, is part of the kind of part of the pressure forward line we've really built nicely this year. He's very key to that. Uh, and and the pinch hitting in the ruck and and that, the clearance work as well because you know he's battling against rucks outside over his size, um, but he, he works and works in amongst the clearance there and afterwards as well and and has had some real good moments where he's he's gathered the ball and been able to get it forward himself and just and just battling in the ruck um, which is what we need from guys like that the pinch hit in there when we've had the injury issues and we're having them again. Um, but beyond that, it's just the um, the attitude um, to be a Port Adelaide footballer. You have to have a certain attitude as far as how you carry yourself and 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 just um, and kind of be a, a teammate and inspiration on the field. And I think he's very much you can see that in the connection. He's you know there's a very very well told story now of how him close him and Pal Pepper have gotten and their partners as well and. Um, and, and everyone around the team as well. You can just see there's a connection there and respect for how he goes about it. And I think that's very important. And, you know, we were only, he's only a year and a half or a year and a bit more than that now into his Port career, but he's already really beloved, I think, as a Port player. And Port fans love him. I certainly do. And, and uh, and you know, just that's purely his endeavour and what he does in the field. But then, you know, I, I wanted to speak on that at the moment. But then, you know, when you do, you do have to take into consideration every player's going out there with things that are going on in the background. And, and when you consider what's going on in the background of his life and, and all those things, it's um it's truly inspirational that he can go out there because, you know, like, I don't know if I could do it. So, um, you know, that's truly inspirational that he can go out there and, and, and play as good as he does every week, week in, week out, and, um, and be an integral part of our side. Um, so, you know, congratulations to him getting 100 games and I'm just so fucking glad he's a Port Adelaide player and um, and shout outs to him and, and obviously Kelly and Sophia as always and in their continued continued journey um, and uh, and yeah, as always, um, if you need tickets, get around us um, if they're available um, then all you need to do is donate to their, their family fund, go, go fund me and and they're yours. Um, I've had some nice messages from people who've utilised those tickets over the year, um, thanking me for them and and saying how good a day they've had out. Because usually we've been winning apart from the showdown. So um, yeah, appreciate the support for that. And um, yeah, cheers to Finlayson. Um, Charlie Dixon playing his 200th as well. Obviously getting a little bit more publicity. I think as 200 games is a little bit tougher to get to in the AFL and and certainly. Charlie's journey with um, injuries and, and the like at times, you know, sometimes it's looked like he's on the way out, you know, certainly the injuries in 2017-2018 um, when he broke his leg and all those things um, have looked rough at times and, and you know, his body, um, you know, considering the way he plays, um, his body's actually held up pretty well, I think, at times considering those things um, and he just battles and he's a tough, he's a tough motherfucker as well and, um you know, I, I, I love the bloke. He's been one of my favourite players. Um, I, I, I defend him probably a bit more than some do. And um, certainly he's misunderstood by opposition fans based on just, I think, it's a misunderstanding of our port plays. And at times we haven't played that well, so you get it. But, you know, he's he's often, you know, the, the, the attention Dixon has gotten over the, over the journey at times and kind of how our forward line hasn't played as well as it could have, um, which isn't certainly down to him. 
um, has meant that sometimes people see him as just a bit of a lame duck up in that forward line when he's really actually been quite integral. And, and when we've been playing at our best, if he's been fit in that forward line, he's been kicking goals. Um, and, you know, his All-Australian season, um, only he's only got one All-Australian season in 2020, but that does kind of highlight, um, you know, considering the modern the uh, the modern makeup of an All Australian team where half the forward line is made up with midfielders as well, it can sometimes be even harder as a key forward to get in there. And um, you know, in a year that um, you know plenty of good players were getting about, um, he he made him he made himself he got himself into that side. So I think an All Australian jacket always is a testament to the fact that you are a pretty handy player. Um, you know, if you get five or six All Australian jackets, that's when you start talking about all time legend status. Um, maybe, but you know, it, I think he's been um, underrated both around the league and sometimes by our own fans. And uh, but I love the bloke, and I think he's a lot of our key to any success this season, and, um, and maybe next as well. I don't know how much longer he's got in the tank. But certainly, if he stays fit the rest of the season, um, it's going to be a real key to success. Um, but it, it is funny that he's coming up against Gold Coast. Um, who you know he has such a history with as well. He kicked their first goal. He was part of their first squad. I think. Um, I think looking at the stats on the Port Adelaide page, they did a little story right up on some of the key numbers um, that he. Uh, I think he's listed as the sixth all-time player for um, the Gold Coast, based on alphabetical order of those who all played in the same game. Um, and uh, you know he kicked their first goal. He also played in their first win, which was ironically against us. Um, and you know he's but. You know, he played 65 games for the Sun, so he's a, a majority, obviously, of his career has been at Port. You know, his 135th game um, being his 200th tomorrow, um, 135th game of his Port Adelaide career being his 200th for us overall. Um, you know, it, it means his majority of his career is with us, and it's interesting when you look at um, his career win percentage is 52 and a half, but that, it's 60. That's career. It's including the Gold Coast, um, but it's 63. 0.4% um, with his time at Port, winning 85 of his 134 games so far. So he's actually got that's a decent percentage, and it means that he's largely been, you know, when we look at the games we've lost over the journey at times, um, you know, it, it, he's been an integral part of a lot more wins than he has losses, um, obviously. And again, like I said, there's a lot more, a lot of problems when, when we've been really rough playing over the last few years that aren't, aren't just solely down to him he does miss some opportunities at times of, of course but you know Lance Franklin um, I think he's had games where he's kicked you know 10 goals 10 sometimes so you know um, they all you know obviously not comparing them like um, he's a buddy Franklin's a unique player but um, just you know some a lot of forwards you know Warren Treadray always there was always that stick on him at times with his goal kicking as well so you know some players just um, the the role of the key forward is to get the get the opportunities, and um, Dixon's done that, and had, and just a really good career for me, considering the fact he was in a, a pretty shit team. Obviously, a, a, you know, coming up into a team um, that's entering a competition, and certainly as unorganised as the AFL handled um, the addition of those teams at that time, um, you know, he's he's battled through his career, and and certainly the fact that he's made a home down in Adelaide, when as I've mentioned before, he's. Um, at times um, in the history of his career, um, well, and when he came down here, he thought he was going to head straight back up after his contract, but he's, he's made a home down here and, and fallen in love with the place. So, um, yeah, he's runner-up in the Coleman Medal in 2020 as well, which is pretty impressive. And runner-up best and fairest in the club, at the club in 2017. Um, he's led our goal-kicking in 2017, 2020, and 2021. Um, 
best on ground in the Q Clash in 2015. You know, there's some, there's some, you know, he's underrated, I think, still. Um, I know a lot of people at our club these days get around him, but, you know, as soon as as soon as soon he's kicking badly or sometimes when he's getting injured, people start going, oh, is, is Charlie Dixon done? You know, whereas, um, you know, he, and he's been a bit underdone at times this year, but I think he's still, at times you see when, the, when he's not on our side, how the structure of the forward line quite changes quite a bit, so... You know, I'm really just giving him some love because I, I think he's been such a great player for us, and and uh, and you know, I really enjoy having his part of the club. And it, I wish he was a bit younger because it would be good to be looking forward to a few more years than what we've probably got with him. But um, really, big congrats to Charlie for a, a you know a really solid career so far, and one that um, you know he's had to battle through a fair bit to get to 200. Um, you know. Guys like you know, Pendlebury and Boak and Co racing towards 350 games. You know those kind of players just end up there. But players with the body of Charlie Dixon sometimes have to, it's a, it can be a fair bit of a struggle to get through to 200 games, and and he's really earned those 200. So, all right. As far as the actual game goes, um, it is unfortunate to see that um, you know Lysett, um, who had come back in in form after the early season struggles, um, is out for a few weeks with that knee injury. And this time it presents an opportunity to Sam Hayes, who I think a lot of us probably thought might be on his way out. But he had a, he's had a, some decent touch in the sand for over the recent weeks, and um, he's coming in with a shot at you know one of the premier ruckmen in the competition, I think, and in Jared Witts. And it's going to be a big. It's, it's really um, probably last chance saloon as far as an AFL chance goes, and really showing what he can do um, for Sam Hayes. But certainly, I'm excited to see him. You know, it's a player that I thought for a couple of years ago was dead on to be our next lead ruck, and just hasn't quite happened for him. But certainly, as a you know, as a Port fan and someone that just wants to see the best for every player that comes into our side, because it means um, means wins are on the board if if they're all doing well. Um, it'll. Uh, I'm really excited to see how he goes um, in that in that role, and and certainly we probably need need to have someone um, that's getting the touches and the ball and can and can get hit outs. Um, even if it does sacrifice a bit around the ground, but hopefully, you know, with the way we're playing a little bit, a little bit more um, lately uh, compared to how we were playing last year, you know, because last year when he came in, we were in rough shape all over the shop, um, and that's probably where it comes down to maybe that you know Hayes himself, um, you know, Lysett doesn't move around the ground too much these days either. Well, at times, so in in that sense, can be somewhat similar and. and a lot of our success this year has come from being a lot more dynamic around other areas of the ground compared to where when Sam Hayes came in last year. It was just we just weren't in good touch all over the place, and and so in that sense, it can be a little bit hard to you know it's a little bit rough to judge him on that as well. So this is he's coming into a side in, in you know ripping form, even if you you know last week was a bit rough, um, but you know as it's been said, we're the only team to win off the bye as well um, against a team that wasn't coming off the bye. So you know that's something to state. Um, Lockie Jones and um, and Junior Rioli in as well with Bono, Burgoyne, Narkel and Vicentini omitted. Um, it'll be interesting to see, um, obviously, Bono, Evans, Vicentini and Narkel are the emergencies. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the the sub comes from. You know, Narkel certainly has shown some pretty stuff of recent times um, since he's come in, obviously, in the mid-season draft. But Francis Evans has been a handy little um, handy little sub as well, so it'll be interesting to see which one comes out. I, mean, I know Riley Bonner often ends up getting the sub job depending on um, what they're looking like the game's going to be, which I don't know what the weather's going to be like. I haven't even looked at any of that stuff, so um, I don't have a read on what the sub situation will be, but there's certainly certainly some really handy options in there as well anyway. Um, and certainly Vicentini, <laughs> after his debut last week, 
um, as an emergency. I think he's probably expecting to be more of a traditional emergency this week, this time. Um, but um, that's the role of the emergency to come in even at the last chance, even at the last second. Um, uh, the Gold Coast have a pretty big in in what I think is one of I've said it plenty of times before. Um, Took Miller's one of my favourite players in the league. Outside of um, and I didn't, I was looking at, I was thinking, I was thinking about this game this week because I hadn't looked at anything until just today. Um, and I was thinking, oh, it's probably like you know, Gold Coast are having a pretty rough week. We've been getting a bit of a beat up in the media as um, as the media want to do at times. Um, with Stuart Jew and which uh, Stuart Jew being one of my favourite players from my young, younger years obviously with that um, premiership team and all that um, you know it's it's rough on it's really rough how the media treats some some of these guys so um, it'll be interesting to see what the, the how the Gold Coast come out and play because they're they're a decent side they're just they, you know they're up and down a bit and, and our best footy should beat theirs but um, I was I wasn't expecting to go in and see that Took Miller had, had what was coming back, um, and that that is a big in if he's fit. That's a big in, and that really, even beyond taking into account, um, you know, their ability um, ability to just have a have a, you know, stand up for the coach game potentially. Um, without Miller, now you bring him in. That's a really um, a really a really strong side when you look at it with the guys like Matt Rowell and um, and 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 Took and and Nora Anderson and Co. and and I think it's just the, the side that's got some really handy players all over the field and it, it sucks that they haven't been able to quite get it together over the years and and um, or over the last year and a bit but I certainly hope they don't get it together tomorrow <laughs> um, or today tonight tomorrow whatever um, but this is a this is a real um, danger game. I would say uh, it's certainly one that I I'm actually looking at a little bit. I don't usually look at you know over the years you don't generally look at the Gold Coast Suns as with any too much um, worry, but you know I do look at this game and think you know they I think they're going to be up for the fight and uh, we're going to need to be up for it too. And you know we've, we've I think people looked at Hawthorne as a danger game and then we came out and blew them out of the water in that first half, um, but then they did show a little bit in the second half. But we'd put the cue in the rack a little bit so. That's hard to judge. Um, so you know, we could be. I could be overthinking it, and and certainly with Port come out and you know, on our, luckily on our home deck, um, that's that's something to to hold on to as well. Um, but you know, Gold Coast almost came over and almost beat us, and you know that was a classic finish game last year as well. Um, and we we're lucky to win that one. So this is a team that you know, if they can get get the get the ball rolling their way a little bit and get a bit of their own game going. Um, they're definitely a team to watch uh, watch out for, and um, I'll, I'll be intrigued by how this game goes um, later on tonight at 2:40 a.m. my time. My fucking god, um, just sleep. What's the point of it um, when games are on all night? When the Ashes cricket will be starting at a similar time, and Jesus Christ, it, fuck me. Um, I, Steve Smith and Manus Labuschagne giving away their wicket in the most senseless ways in 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 a test that we don't need to rush just does my head in I, and I've just segued straight into just being pissed I, I was watching that this morning and just face palmed I mean I, you know me as someone who can't couldn't buy a run when I played for a year um, you know not, not one to criticize technique but when you know how you know good they are just to get like giving my one alley two wickets like that just just fucking does my head in um, so hopefully Paul can win um, comfortably would be nice because that'll at least help some of the frustration that I know is going to come in the cricket tomorrow morning. 
because um, I don't. I look. Travis Head and, and and Mitch Marsh need to have a partnership that gets us beyond the 200 lead at least um, for me to even start being a little bit happier. And I'm still. It's still not going to be enough, I don't think. But um, yeah, God, yeah, there's a rough little collapse there for a bit there. Um, they steadied the ship to just to not lose any more wickets before the end of the day, but that lead is not near enough. Um, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting morning for me personally. I'm <laughs> trying to deal with. Um, an Australian cricket team that keeps giving England way back into the series just when you think they've got them, got them finally put to bed. Um, and then, yeah, so I'm hoping Port can do the job um, in a relatively comfortable, less heart attack fashion, so I only have one thing to worry about tomorrow. Um, but I do think that um, the Gold Coast are going to be, could be up for a little bit of a battle and might make it tough for a while. So it'll be interesting to see if it's one of those games where it comes out and they really throw everything at us from the first quarter or if they come out with a sustained approach to try to kind of kind of tickle us and frustrate us for the entire match that's what i you know some teams come out and they throw everything at you and then you run away with it in the second half or sometimes they just keep at you nipping at the heels and you and you keep yourselves ahead but you they always come back with a couple of goals i'm just not exactly sure how to read how this one will go based on how the week's gone for them and certainly with the addition of took miller coming in i'll say i expect maybe around a 30 to 35 point win in the end of the, at the end of the day but i just i just think this one might be a little bit tougher than some Port fans might be expecting based on historical trends against, you know, the Gold Coast Suns. They're just, in our heads, they're historically been a shit team, but I think this team might be just a touch better than what we what we might expect. But here's hoping that we can come out, because we're certainly a far better team. Um, if, you, if you go head-to-head with our best footy, um, we're just playing better. But, you know, that's, games aren't won on paper. They're won, won on the field, and that's where the... Um, intricacies and the and the nuances and the and all those fucking words that you want to use um will uh come into play when it comes to comes to footy and sports in general it's all um it's all magic because it's all it all happened on the field not not you know not on paper so yeah 30 35 points i think we can do the job by but i wouldn't be surprised if it's a bit tougher or you know or if you know i'd be more surprised if we won by 70 than we than if we won by 25 i guess um that's probably where i'm at um, but be happy with a 70-point win. Anyway, that's about it. Sorry, it's been a bit of a jumble and, and not too much um, to be said about Essendon because I still haven't just been able to watch it fully, but um, glad we want, we're we on a 12-game winning streak and hopefully we'll be um, talking about a 13-game um, winning streak um, sometime next week. All right, count the pair. <laughs>